Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Let's jump in our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. And then the Sunday after Friend Day, the first Sunday of October, uh, October 2nd is Jersey Sunday. That's also a lot of fun, and we'll be telling you more about that later. And like I said, fall is great, right? Fall is great. Oh, by the way, Virginia's 1-0. Virginia Tech is 0-1. That's all I'm going to say about that. Amen. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I like that. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Verse 9 said two people are better off than one. So here's my sermon today. Two are better. Two are are better. Amen. Now, after World War II, we in the West became aware of a problem that was going on in Europe. Many orphanages in Europe were basically warehousing large groups of children, and they had a lot of problems, but one of the major problems was that they were vastly understaffed. So the babies, while they had most of their physical needs looked after, like food and shelter, and even some basic hygiene, they were very rarely picked up. They were very rarely uh, snuggled or, or played with. Many of them had what doctors called failure to thrive syndrome, or another more clinical term is called reactive attachment disorder or child attachment disorder. I did a little study on that this week. Uh, it's a condition where a child doesn't form healthy emotional bonds with their caretakers or their parental uh, figures, often uh, because sometimes it's emotional neglect, sometimes it's abuse. Uh, and, but in the case of these orphanages, it, it was just there wasn't enough people to provide that care. Many of the orphans in these orphanages were several months, sometimes even a couple of years old, but they still looked and acted like newborns. What they did not have was the nurturing touch of a family. I read an article in Psychology Today this week that supported this conclusion about the healing power of touch and contact. Amen. And all the touchy-feely people can say amen, right? <laughs> all the huggers can say, see, I told you, amen. And it's not surprising because really we live in a country extremely paranoid right now about touch, about contact, about being called out for being overly friendly or accidentally doing something inappropriate or harassing and people have neglected and recoiled so much that people now are starving for healthy interaction and genuine community. Uh, why is physical touch, for example, so important? 
As the article noted that I read in Psychology Today, touch can ease pain, it can lift depression, it can lift you psychologically. But touch is even more vital than this. Babies who are not held, snuggled, or hugged enough, they literally can stop growing. And if the situation lasts long enough, they can even die. Researchers discovered that when they were trying to figure out why in orphanages, some of them had infant mortality rates up to 40%. And we now know that those type of orphanages are not suitable places for infants. Baby days zero to five simply do not receive enough stimulation in group residential care to develop themselves to their full capacity. It's critical that they get individualized, physical, parental attention. Amen. For example, uh, this nurturing is necessary for their brains to learn and connect human contact with pleasure. The association uh, is one of the foundations even of you and I as adults being able to receive and also to show empathy to others. We connect first through the soothing touch and shared smiles that we experience as babies and as children. Sadly, babies raised in orphanages often begin to fear touch. They avoid it without having intensive, repeated, loving contact. And by the way, this is important. By the same couple of people, they simply can't make proper connections. They don't get enough repetition with particular people to build bonding. And that can spell trouble later on in life. As these early connections help provide us a template for all of our relationships afterwards. Thankfully, when the children raised in orphanages were placed in loving homes, much of the damage was reversed. But some children, though, unfortunately, never overcame it. Given how critical early nurturing touch and community is in our development, I think it would be wise for us to consider adding more friendly touch to our lives for the people that we love. Because uh, if kids don't get healthy touch, they're more vulnerable to predators that can harm them. Some research even suggests that cultures that lavish affection on infants and children actually have less violence and less crime. It's pretty amazing. But here's something else that we know, and this was not in the article. Many adults are also suffering from something like attachment disorder. And they don't even know it because they're trying to do life alone. Even many Christians are suffering from a failure to thrive syndrome. So you might be born in the new life with Jesus. You might be a believer. But hear me, if you are left on your own all the time, we never grow beyond our newborn stage as believers. Amen. Amen. See, I see it happen all the time. People come to Christ they experience the new birth. They get radically saved. But after several months, you don't see them anymore. Well, what happened? Did they stop loving Jesus? Probably not. Did somebody do something to offend them? Probably not in that short of a period of time. Right? Uh, stick around long enough. Somebody will offend you, by the way. Can I just throw that on out there right now? Hallelujah. Get yourself ready. Amen. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. But, but how, do, how, do, how do they lose out so quickly? New life dies unless it is lived out together with other people. Amen. The Bible is right. Two are better than one. 
That's why the Bible teaches us that it's important for us to be fully adopted into a fully functioning body of believers. It is the will of God that you come to him as you are, but it's not the will of God for you to stay there. Amen? See, God loves us. With all of our addictions, all of our attitudes, all of our hang-ups, all of our baggage. But he also loves us enough to not want us to stay that way. Amen? Because he's got a better life for us. And in some of us, though, we've made the faulty assumption that it happens just with Jesus and with nobody else. And in order to grow, though, and to become strong as a believer and healthy as a human being, hear me, you've got to have community with other people. You need a community of believers in order to thrive in your walk with God. Not just being physically around you, but people that you're doing life with. That's our slogan here at this church, life together. Because two or three or a group are always better than one. Amen? See, there should be no such thing as a Christian orphan. We should be living in healthy spiritual community. But see, one of the main problems that interferes with our living together in community and true fellowship is what I call just self-imposed isolation. Come on, now, we saw social distancing for a while during COVID, and thank God that's over with. Amen? But did you know how many people still live their lives socially distanced or hiding behind an emotional mask amen they're not worried about getting sick because but they feel challenged when it comes to creating relationships I talked to one person uh, during the whole COVID thing uh, and it, we were about two years in and they had a mask on and they they actually told me they said this has been the best two years of my life because they were an introvert and they didn't like connecting with people. They loved hiding behind the mask. But did you know a lot of people, forget about the physical mask, there's a lot of people that are hiding behind an emotional mask. And they're just happy to go along and try to plug along all by themselves. But hear me, isolationism is a direct result of unhealthy individualism. Amen. Individualism is when we live our lives as our own masters, when we're focusing on our own needs, when we're focusing on our own desires and pretty much doing what we think works best for us without regard to others. Amen. You know, we've got this generation now that's all about me, 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 me. As a believer, you don't get to be all about me, 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 me. Because we all have a responsibility to others as well. Hebrews 10.25 said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, the first century writer of the letter to the Hebrews, he recognized that it really is important to develop a habit of meeting with other believers in a faith community. That's why, if I just can be transparent, now that we're looking back, I can say this because I'm not throwing stones at any particular church, but that's why it shocked me. That so many faith communities were in absolutely no hurry at all to reopen in 2020. And many of them even into 2021, amen? And a lot of Christians suffered because of it. And hear me, a lot of them have never come back to church and they never will. Amen. Robin and I were talking about this on the way to church this morning. And I'm just going to say it and God bless you if you're watching me online right now. Watching online is not the same thing. 
If you have the option, that's a big if, if you have the option to be in church with other people. It's just not the same thing. Meeting together in person is a critical part of our spiritual and emotional well-being. It is. And if you don't believe that, just take a look at what online schooling did for two years. I ain't got to give you a religious argument. Just look how an entire generation of kids were forever impacted. Some of them will not recover. If you don't believe me, talk to some teachers. Amen. Many of them, they're never going to recover from the isolation and what it did to their intellectual and social development because it's just too easy for us to justify not being involved today. We're busy with work, with family obligations, with things we need or want to do, with our kids being involved in clubs and sports. And folks, all that's well and good, but hear me, you can't neglect meeting with the family of God. Amen. We need to be with one another. Man, especially in the crazy days we're living in now, come on somebody, two are better than one. If you want to be a healthy Christian, then coming to church, being involved, and living life with other believers is really not optional. We need to live and do life together because isolation, hear me, it's the enemy of community. There's, look at all the ancient cities that were marked by their great walls of isolation. Picture in your mind with me, you know, a medieval castle that's surrounded by moats. I always like to imagine alligators floating in the moats, right? You know, castles that are built on the top of rocky mountains. Entire nations have built themselves on walls of isolation. The Great Wall of China, the Berlin Wall. Take a look at North Korea today. It's literally called the Hermit Kingdom. And look at the way those poor people have to live. But I know a lot of people that say they love God, but they're living in their own hermit kingdom. And the erosion of community can be seen really just by looking at everyday life here in America. Think about it. After World War II, the late 40s, the early 50s, it started. We began to see the development of suburbs. And then there was the ability for people to begin to, uh, to purchase automobiles, uh, you know, widespread. The purchase of cars, it made it possible to begin to commute to work and then live somewhere else. At first, it was just the homes that went into the suburbs. But then over time, suburbs now are pretty much self-contained. We've got entertainment options, dining options, shopping options. I literally, I thought about it. I could drive 15 minutes from my house in any direction and never, ever have to go 15 minutes from where I live. Hospitals, restaurants, grocery stores, everything I need. Matter of fact, I don't even have to leave my house. I've got Amazon. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on, somebody. How many Amazon people are in the house? Amen. I got a word from the Lord for somebody today. You don't need to buy anything from Amazon today. Just that's for somebody. Amen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe the Lord's trying to tell me that today. But you know what? It started, but we're, we're so self-contained. But over time, this lifestyle has encouraged isolation. Houses used to go downtown. Houses used to be, be built right up front. Go down Monument Avenue. They were built right up on the street. Big front porches. You know why? And they were encouraging people to stop and talk and communicate. And now, if somebody knocks on our door, we're like, who in the world is that? <laughs> My God, that better be Amazon. Because <laughs> I didn't invite anybody over. <laughs> I, 
I'm, even in my lifetime, I'm telling you, I can remember growing up. We would be eating dinner. It was not unusual any night of the week to hear a knock at the door, and my parents had no clue who it was. And then their buddies would walk in unannounced with their kids, and the rest of the night, they were in there drinking coffee, playing cards. They would eventually send us to bed. Our friends would have to sleep on the couch. Yes, they had school the next day. And their parents would just drink and have coffee and, and, and have pie and have a good old time. And the next night, do it all over again. Amen. Isolation is counterproductive to you becoming a disciple. Isolation, it's in the secret of isolation that pornography grows from a cheap thrill to a devastating addiction. It's in the secrecy of isolation that eating disorders become life-threatening. It's in the secrecy of isolation that unforgiveness becomes bitterness and then it becomes hatred and it becomes toxic. It's in the secret place of isolation that depression and darkness close in and suicide and hopelessness overwhelms the souls of men and women. Isolation. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, sin craves isolation. And the devil prowls around waiting for someone to kill and steal and destroy. And do you know where he hunts? Not just in the bars and the crack houses. He hunts in the shadows of the church. Among those who are isolated. Come on now. Among new believers who refuse to get connected to the body. Come on, man. He's getting a little prickly today. <laughs> Come on. Among old saints who have disconnected. They've stopped serving. They've stopped fellowshipping. They've stopped gathering. And he focuses on people like that. More on situations where people have isolated themselves. See, but Jesus came and he established the church, his body, to help restore us to a place where we can be spurred on toward love and personal growth. Have you ever thought about that? If we didn't need the body, Jesus would just save us and there'd be no church. But we need the body. Because hear me, you will not make all the changes you need to make, want to make, would love to make, plan to make, or desire to make all by yourself. You can't do it. Amen. If you would, you would have already done it. Here's what Romans 12, 4 and 5 says. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And look at this. We all belong to each other. See, that flies in the face of isolationism. We belong to each other. Amen. That means I've got a responsibility to my fellow man. God wired us that way because we need each other. I need you. You need me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. See, God never meant for you to go through life as a lone ranger or flying solo. He's not. There's a lot of good books out there that will tell you what you need to do. There's a lot of seminars you can go to. But they don't always tell you the two things the Bible says you've got to have. God's power and God's family. Come on. Amen. You know what you need to really change? Holy Ghost power and Holy Ghost people in your life. Amen. That's what we need. 
We have a lot of different kinds of people in this church family, right? We come from all kinds of denominational backgrounds. We come from all kinds of different upbringing. But what we have in common is our love for God. And that's what unites us and allows us to help each other out. So what do we do? If God's desire is for you and I to experience community, and real community is achieved not only when our social needs are met, but when our spiritual needs are met, what do we do? you got to hang out sometimes with a spiritual purpose. Amen. Because community matters. Just as lungs, our lungs require air and oxygen, our souls require what only biblical community and real fellowship provides. So here's a question, an easy question. This is kind of a litmus test that you can ask yourself if you're experiencing biblical community by answering this question. How often during the week do I get together with people or hang out with people with a spiritual purpose in mind? It's not a trick question. How often do I do it? Because if your answer is simply Sunday mornings for 75 minutes in a church service, I'm going to tell you that's not enough. Amen? Because you work or you go to school with non-believers for 40 to 50 hours a week. You're at home with family members for many other hours a week. Amen. And sometimes family are the ones stressing you out, right? Come on. Do you really think that 90 minutes a week feeding your spiritual life on Sunday morning is enough? And by the way, thank God for all of you faithful members. Did you know a lot of people, they don't even go to church every Sunday. For them, man, they come once a month and they want you to, get, they want you to give them a blue ribbon. Like, man, I'm coming once a month. That's enough for me. How in the world is that enough? And by the way, can I just tell you, if you're looking for a Sunday morning only church, then this church is probably going to disappoint you because one of our objectives is not to just see you survive spiritually. We want to see you thrive spiritually. Amen. And I know that we can't make people live in community. I know that. But we can remind them of why they need it and create opportunities for them to develop it in their lives. See, we need to remember we're physical beings, so we need to take care of ourselves physically. We're mental beings, so we need to sharpen ourselves mentally. But we're also spiritual beings. So it stands to reason that we've got to take care of ourselves spiritually. Amen. So, how are we trying to build community at Life Church? How do we do it? How do we try to create a two or better than one? environment. Amen. There's a couple of things that we do. First of all, you know, we have Sunday mornings and it's great for experiencing worship and for hearing the word. But hear me, unless you hang around and talk and have meaningful fellowship, there's not a lot of community that happens, right, in a church service. But community happens intentionally and with other people when we do life together. So let me just tell you real quickly a few ways we try to help create community opportunities for you at Life Church. And they're real practical. They're not that spiritual. Number one, we have events. Everybody say events. We have big events and small events. We don't just want to do things around here just to be doing them. We want to do them to encourage you and anyone else to come and enjoy yourself with like-minded people of God. Amen. We don't do lots of events here, so, so don't miss out on them. Amen. We've got things like men's and ladies' events every quarter, men's and ladies' retreats and conferences. We've got team nights. We've got youth and young adult events. And events are, you know, they had a, 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 the ladies had a pool event yesterday. The men are going white rider rafting in a couple of weeks. And you may not be able to take advantage of those opportunities, but they're there to help us connect in community and get to know one another. Events are one door to community. Another door to community is life groups. Everybody say life groups. Matter of fact, that's our second value, connect. 
gather on Sundays, and connect through life groups. <clears throat> we are fully committed to our free market small groups, and there's a lot of different groups for you to choose from. Our groups meet three semesters every year. There's different types of groups. We want to continually offer more groups. I wish we had more groups to offer. We just need more group leaders. Amen. More types of groups. And in more locations than just here at the church. We got groups for married couples, for young adults, for students. Groups targeted just men and women. Freedom groups, addiction recovery groups, Bible study groups. Right now, we have sign-ups going on for the next week for our fall group semester. You can look through the brochures that are in the back on the tables. I think there's brochures on the back tables. You can see those brochures. You can go online, and you can find out what our groups are all about. C.S. Lewis said this, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. Usually it is those who know him that bring him to others. Did you see that? C.S. Lewis says, God uses us to work on each other. And a lot of times, God uses us to lead other people to Him. And I believe that when we're involved with each other at the level that I'm talking about, then our deepest needs will be met and there will be no room in our life for isolation. Two are better than one. Sometimes life throws a curveball at us, right? And things don't always make the most sense. Tragedies happen and they can't be explained. Stuff happens. Life happens. But the good news is if you are a member of the body of Christ and his church, you don't have to go through it by yourself. You don't have to. You know what happens when a church loves to be around each other and hardship comes to one part of the family? Encouragement is given. Prayers are offered up. Needs are met. I've seen it happen so many times. The body of Christ does exactly what its name implies, and it becomes Jesus to that person in that season. Somebody gets a promotion or a raise, we celebrate. Somebody's pregnant, they get married, they're going to have a kid, we celebrate. If something bad happens, somebody loses a loved one, they lose a job, we mourn together. We rally around each other. There's something special that occurs when we combine our desire for pursuing a close relationship with God with our desire to have relationship with other people. We need community and fellowship. And hear me, you can find that in a life group. Please don't say you don't have time for a group. We all have time for whatever is important to us, right? It's just a matter of priorities. Live life together. Do it in a group. And then a final way, a third way that we try to help create community here at Life Church is with our dream teams. Everybody say dream teams. That's the third part of our vision, serve. At Life Church, we want everybody to find a place to serve God, His people, and our community by using your gifts for His glory. But guess what we have learned? It's not just about the benefit of serving. Community is built. When you serve on a team with other people, those people become your people. Amen. Student ministry, children's ministry, nursery, guest services, security team, music, media, hospitality, visitation, prayer, men's ministry, ladies' ministry, missions, you name it. We either have a team for it or if we don't and you're a member of this church, you might be the one to help us create it. Amen. Our dream teams are groups of people who want to serve God with their gifts and their passions and they do it with other people that they love. Because nothing, communi- nothing creates or cultivates a sense of community and camaraderie 
more than serving together with people in ministry. Have you ever seen the military movies and shows, The Band of Brothers? I mean, those guys, man, they're more tight-knit sometimes than biological families. You see it in a firehouse. You watch uh, fire shows, or if you're involved in a community like that, those guys become brothers. They become family. Those ladies, they become brothers and sisters. Amen. You see it in people that serve closely together. You also see it in the body of Christ. Amen. You can grow together. Folks, let me just tell you something. This is a spiritual issue. Because when you isolate yourself from the body, you're setting yourself up for the enemy to target you. Surround yourself with other believers and get involved in the body of Christ. I want to ask the praise team and the musicians to come on up right now. You see, it's always sad when people find the Lord and they begin to serve Him, but they drift away over a period of time. You know, we talked about that. Why does that happen? Lots of reasons, but most of them have to do with what I've preached about today. They did, you did not develop community in your life with other believers. And maybe you failed to get involved. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're involved and when you're connected, it's a whole lot harder to drift away from the Lord. Because people love you. They care about you. Amen. And they basically tell you, you know what? You're going to have to step out over a whole lot of bodies to get out this door. Because we love you too much to see you fail. I used to beat myself up over people who just quit church. But I've learned over the years that you can't make people become disciples. You can't. They have to want it as bad as we do. They do. And that's the key phrase, if you want it. We can't make you want to be in community. I can show you why you need it. I can show you how to do it. And I've done that today. I've checked both of those boxes. But at the end of the day, if you refuse to be anything more than a Sunday morning only saint, that's up to you. Or if you only want to be an online saint, that's up to you. And if you want to feel like you belong, though, you've got to make the effort to become a part of something outside of yourself. You say, well, man, you're asking something of me. I sure am. Because everything that has reward requires investment. And there's nothing more rewarding than being connected to people in the body of Christ. Amen. Some of my strongest connections in this church are from my Monday night life group. I did a Monday night gridiron, guys, just for men for a couple years, and that was amazing. And then we've recently shifted, and we're doing a Monday night married couples group. And I've gotten so close to some of those couples that are in that group. Amen. And it's just because community happens when you're connected together intentionally. I see people interact in the teams that they serve on. And some of the closest friendships I've seen in this church happen when people serve alongside each other on a team. And that's not accidental. That's intentional. But the hardest part of my job as a pastor is wanting to see people grow and feel connected more than they want to grow and be connected. Come on, it grieves me to see when I want people to be fulfilled more than they want to be fulfilled. There's no doubt that you can find other things to do one night a week than join a life group. <laughs> I mean, that's easy, right? You can stay home and binge watch Netflix. 
You can do anything. There's a whole bunch of things you can do. You can rest and recover. You can get a second job. There's all kinds of things. But all it takes is a little bit of effort to say, you know what? I want to cultivate community with other believers. Not only because of what it does for me, but because of what I can do for them. Amen. I want you to stand with me all over this house. There's homework. There's house chores. There's extra work, extra jobs. There's your favorite TV show. There's Little League. There's resting after a long day. There's weekends. I don't want to make the sacrifice to serve on a team because I know I got to come to church early or I got to give up my Wednesday night or I got to come and practice on Thursday or I got, come on, we can come up with a myriad of excuses, right? But the question is, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus and do you want to grow? And do you want to be all that God has called you to be? Two are better than one. Scripture said three are even better than two. And I'm going to tell you what else. A whole group is even better than two or three. Amen. You know, one thing I love about September, I mentioned this to the team before service, is that it's a time that many of us kind of reset our lives, right? Especially those who have children. You're kind of getting back in routines of school and bedtime and getting up and you know it's so funny so poor kids I always feel sorry for the kids that have stayed up till 11 o'clock all summer and then the night before school hey it's 8 o'clock time to go to bed <laughs> what you know but you kind of want to get back in routines right I love September because sometimes I'll, I will reset I'll, I start thinking about man all the areas I've gotten lazy at in the summer now I just want to kind of tighten down my calendar. I want to tighten down. I want to get reacquainted with exercise. I want to take a little bit more control. It's almost like January 2.0 for me. That's September. So here's what I, here's what I want to just throw out there. To any of you in the church or any of you walking, uh, watching online, why don't you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a reset, but I'm going to make sure community is part of my reset. I'm going to make sure... That in all the stuff I'm fixing, I don't forget that I have a spiritual responsibility to do life with other people. Therefore, I'm going to join a group, or I'm going to sign up for a team, or I'm going to volunteer some. I'm going to do something to get in biblical community with other people so that I can be all that God has called me to be. Amen? Many people, I believe today, can be that day. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to open up this altar. And I'm going to ask you, you might say, well, I'm already involved. I'm already doing all the great. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come down to the front. And if you're already involved, I want you to pray and say, God, I want you to help me this year. We're going to pray a prayer that's not about us, right? I want you to help me minister to somebody and be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody in my life group, on my dream team, in my circle, outside of the church. I want to be that person. Now, that's those of you that are involved. And if you're not involved, here's what I want you to I want to challenge you to come up and say, you know what, God, I'm ready to take the next step. I don't want to be isolated anymore. I want to connect with people, and I'm going to keep trying connections. I'm going to try groups until I find the right group. I'm going to serve on a team until I find the right team because I want to be a fully functioning part of the body of Christ. Amen? All right, so I'm going to open this altar. I want you to come while the praise team sings. Why don't we come and let's make those commitments right now to the Lord. Can I we was do that? buried beneath come on. my shame. Yes, God, I want, to, I want to do that in my life, God. I want to recommit to biblical community. I want to recommit to the body of Christ. 
I want to recommit to what you've called me to do, God. Was my Till I met you, I was breathing but not alive. Come on, hallelujah! All my failures, yes, I tried to hide. It was my dream. Lord, help us to be the body of Till Christ. I You called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Yes, come on now, hallelujah. God, I want to be